This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It's Monday the 26th of June 2023. Today we learn about Audible's new features. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Oh, hello, Sean Priest. Happy New Week. How is it possibly Monday again? This is ridiculous. I'm hurtling through life towards that grave so quickly. It's getting on my nerves. I'm getting worried. You know what I love? I love that we've seemed to change roles in the past few years. Like, I, you used to start this show, and it was all, Hey, how are you? Everything's great. And I'd go, mm, it's terrible, everything's awful. And you'd go, oh, come on. Now that's it's the other way around. That's the Stephen Scott effect. That's, that's what you've done to me. Is that what I've done to After you? After all these years, you've turned <laughs> so, me into a husk of a man. So happy to hear that. <laughs> ah, it's nice to be back. Um, yeah, do you know, how's your weekend? What have you been up to? Uh, I've been mostly melting because it's still Scorchio here. Um, but uh, no, it's been a nice weekend. I actually took in, I'm going to use a trendy term, some rays, Stephen Scott. I led on a lounger in my garden <gasps> and took in some sun. And you know what? It's gorgeous. It was so nice. Wow. Well, Sometimes, the thing is, what with, with climate change. Oh, here we go. No, but the good thing is that, you know, okay, climate change, generally bad. Ice caps uh, uh, melting, yes. um, bad. Sea level rise, bad. Uh, Hot weather all the time. Upside, right? I'm not. E- I'm not even going there. I'm not touching <laughs> that. I, let's quickly move on. I was just saying, I had a lovely weekend with my family in the sun, and you somehow make that into a terrible, terrible thing. No, it's not a terrible thing. I'm saying enjoy the weather while we've got it. Look, it, it, the way I look at it is, oh, we're if, still going on with this, are we? No, no, no. What I'm going to say to you is. If yes. when life gives you lemons, make <sighs> lemonade. Okay. I mean, I will say I've never made lemonade in my life, nor have I ever really probably touched a lemon. No, you're a coffee man, by the way. I, I, I just, you know, second I, I coffee in today. Can you tell it hasn't kicked in yet? Yo, actually, you're sounding a bit chill today. I chill. like this new oh. um, hippie Stephen. I think it's nice. Hey, man, how you doing? Okay, that's enough of that. That was terrible. <laughs> what are we talking about today? Do you know what? I'll tell you why I'm a bit chilled today. I am feeling a bit chilled. Do you know why? Because I found a new feature in my Mac. <laughs> you know, it is a tech show. I know, I know. Breaking I know. Breaking it is a news. tech show, honestly. When um, you say a new feature, <laughs> I mean... It's not new. No, it's been out for a, probably since the beginning. I probably outspoken had this. Um, but <laughs> honestly, it is so, so interesting. It's a feature that I, I don't hear many people talk about. And when we do talk to people about it, my the general reaction I get from people is, oh, I don't even bother with it because it's, it just seems so convoluted and confusing. And it's, a, it's a feature called Web Spots on the Mac, right? So when you're using VoiceOver, it's Web Spots. Now, you might call it, I guess, Landmarks. Well, no, no. no? Now, th- th- okay, here's my first point of confusion. Hotspots... And web spots. Yes. Are they the same thing or are two they different, different things? Yeah, because you get two you've got hotspots, which a lot of people do use, and they're very popular. And that means that any button, any icon, any element on the system you can set as a hotspot. So if there's a particular area of the screen or a particular button inside an app or you know, a particular area of settings, whatever it is you want to go to quickly, you can set that as a hotspot. Whenever you hit that button, whenever you activate that hotspot. It will go straight to that. Even if it involves opening up an application first, it will do that for you, and it will take no. you straight to that. Yes, yeah, so you can set that as a hotspot, uh, and that's that's how it works. Now, that sounds amazing. Are brilliant. Yes, absolutely fantastic. Hang on, stop. Uh, no, before okay. you carry right, on, sorry. No, that's all right. I'm, t- I'm chilled today. I'm chilled. Good. I'm, chilling. I'm glad. That I'm definition. chilling like I'm uh, distilling. Penguin. Is that a thing? No. No. Um, okay. um, that sounds amazing. So. <laughs> Why couldn't you set a hotspot on a web page ah. and then it would jump and even open that web page for you if, if the browser wasn't open, wouldn't it? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm oh. bouncing around here with excitement because I, I, I'm, I'm so glad you asked that question. <laughs> okay. Uh, because, yeah, it, it makes total sense using that logic. If I can literally go to any button anywhere, 
uh-huh. just by pressing a hotspot, then you're absolutely right. I should be able to do that on a Thank website you. as well. Doesn't work. Oh, okay. On websites, okay. doesn't work. So what you do instead is you set a web spot. That makes sense. So hotspot for system, for applications, web spot for on the web. Now, for some reason, there's been a bit of confusion, I think, about what webs, not so much what web spots are, but how to use them. And of course, there's always concern because if a website changes, well, what happens to the web spot? So perhaps we become less reliant on them. I think JAWS has similar. I think it's got place markers. Um, I know you yes. were playing with an NVDA plugin, although it's in Spanish. Yes, I downloaded, uh, by the way, just off topic for a second, WhatsApp had an update recently and you couldn't use the NVDA add-on to get to the message list, quickly jump to it. So I downloaded a new updated WhatsApp what, WhatsApp yeah. add-on 2.2, which fixes that problem if you're having that issue. Um, and while I was there looking at the NVDA add-ons, I did see one called Place Markers. And the first thing I thought was, ooh, I wonder if that's like voiceover hotspot. So I downloaded it, but I haven't tried it out yet. Remind me later to talk about our WhatsApp idea. Got to talk about our WhatsApp idea. No, you can't let that out of the the workshop. We're not finished with it yet. (laughs) Trust me. If we we don't talk about what's in that workshop, nothing will ever come out of that workshop. So, no, I think we should mention it. I think we should get get our our listener here to, uh, you know, engage in this. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, have, I have no standards. Plural, please. <laughs> Hello, Mr. F. God bless well, you. Only, well, listen, we're only talking to one person in the ear. Come on, this is radio. That's how it we're works. We're talking to you. We don't talk Hello, to you. groups of people. We talk to you. Yes, yes. you. Hello. Hello. I'm going to Hello. get into your ear. Oh. This, this has got creepy. I don't like it. <laughs> Where were we? Okay. Yes, place markers. Yes. Too much co- I think that scent coffee has definitely yes, kicked in. It, I'm not Back having to a thug. lemonade. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Two Web cups spots. on my desk, and it's like it's like a it's like Russian roulette with cups of <laughs> of, of liquid. That's basically what I'm doing right now. I'm going between lemonade and coffee for some bizarre reason. That's anyway, gross. It's not really. You need a, a hot spot on them. Well, one's hot and one's not. There you go. That's how you tell the difference, Stephen. Well done. Um, so, yes, web spots, I think the problem for a lot of people accessing them is because the commands seem to change or have changed because it used to be, I think, that you would use VO keys. And, of course, that can be caps lock or it can be the control and option key held down together. And you would hold that down and press the uh, left curly bracket. I think it is to set... Or maybe it's not the curly bracket, is it? It says curly bracket, but I don't think it is. Uh, but anyway, you, square bracket, it's around there somewhere. Yeah, so it's in that, yeah, in that region, because um, it's the same button, I think. Uh, it is so you, shifted. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, left bracket or a right bracket. So left bracket to set, right bracket to visit. But the problem was that I think this must have been a fairly recent thing where they changed it that when you went onto the web, you now have to hold down command in order to access any of the sort of web-specific uh, settings. Like, for example, if you wanted to search by headings, you would hold down VO command and then hit H for heading. I mean, obviously, if you really? could JAWS or whatever, you would just hit H and you would be on and you would go, but you don't get that on the Mac. You have to hold down VO command and then H. Or you can use QuickNav, or you can set first letter navigation in your oh, settings. It's too, too many. Or choices. you can use your numpad commander. <laughs> or you could use the trackpad commander. And away you've got an abundance of options <laughs> to get you there. But you know, it you. does it does create a bit of confusion. And I think a lot of people sometimes worry about whether or not that's and, and actually this is a feature that people don't seem to use very often, at least from my understanding. And even this just sounds amazing. It, even Googling it, there's very little information. So anyway, I just decided to delve in. VOH is the answer to everything in life. So that's your voiceover help menu. And when you go in there, uh, you arrow down to commands and you can uh, right arrow on this and that will take you into all the commands that exist. You can even action them from there as well. So even if you don't know what the command is, like for example, for a while I couldn't figure out how to uh, turn screen curtain on because the command it was telling me didn't work for some reason. I think it might have to do with the function key because it was a function key required as well. So I think that may have been the problem. But you can just go in and you can find it in the commands list and just hit enter on it and it will just action that command. So that's quite cool. But if you want to know what commands are or what are set, you can go ahead and and do that in that commands help. And you can also find out what other commands are there. There are a lot of commands and a lot of things that people probably don't even know about. So it's well worth just sometimes going through it. 
Uh, I choose to use the numpad commander because it's enough for me to remember. And one thing I love about the numpad commander on the Mac is when I'm using this to navigate the computer, it's really simple because I'm just using four and six to go between, you know, just move from element to element. That's essentially the same as holding down my VO keys and moving left and right. Um, but you can go further with that and you can even layer commands. So by using the modifier keys like control or option or command uh, or even the zero key, um, you can add a layer of commands on there. You can set a different layer of commands. So you could have, for example, as I've done, almost like a, a web spot layer. So I use command key and whenever I hold down the command key, whatever whatever number I'm pressing is relative to these web spot setup. It's like every single time you're using that modifier, you're you're kind of opening up a new layer of commands that you can access, which you can completely set and, and choose whatever yeah. you want. And, and you set the command key to be relevant to the web pages. Yeah. Yeah. So simple as this. Oh, yeah. I set up command one to be set web spot. I set up command four to be previous and command six to be next. So I can easily just navigate around. So I'm on the CleanFeed website here and I've set one for my record button. I've set one for my mute button and I've set one for my clips button. Now, this was an interesting thing because of course the thing about this is uh, that it allows me to very quickly, as I've now learned, navigate around this this page um, really easily because I just have my command and my left. So if I hit command four, I can hear record, and then you're not hearing this, obviously, because I'm not playing this through, but I've got record, then I've got mute, then I've got settings, and then I've got the email from Greg we're going to play in a minute, uh, which is set as as if my first web spot. Now, that means that when I'm navigating around by web spot, it's only going to those web spots I've selected. I've gone in, I've gone through the website, and I've said command one to set a web spot. Now, this is just on my setup. You will probably want to use your own commands for this. But once you've got the command set up, once you, if, even if you're using the native commands, you can then just easily navigate around that page on the web spots you want. So if there's lots of buttons you would normally press and you don't want to be arrowing and arrowing and tabbing and moving around, you can just jump to those buttons. So really, really cool. But then, of course, there's a problem, right? Because what happens if the website changes? Well, CleanFeed does change because when you reload CleanFeed or you open it back up, the clips area where all the audio clips live, where that email is right now, that all goes away because it's like an expanded area. And every time you go into CleanFeed, you have to click on the clips button to and open the list. expand yeah. that. Yeah, but that yeah. button, I had it originally set, my hotspot was set on load clip, which is the first button that appears after you've expanded the clips area. So it's on the screen, it expands, and there's a load clip button, and that lets you load in the audio clips that I can play here. But that goes away as soon as you refresh. So what happens to the web spot? Well, I thought the obvious thing is it's just going to go away or it might you know, get rid of all my web spots. Well, no, mm-hmm. it doesn't. It keeps all the web spots in place and it moves the web spot to the nearest location, which in this case is the settings button. So the settings button is just before the load clip button, which when I reload is not on the screen. So it's actually shifted the web spot to the nearest location. And actually, that's, so that's pretty smart. Yeah. So it makes, it makes navigation a lot easier. It's almost like customizable um, first letter navigation, right? I mean, because you're saying, as you said, rather than tabbing through, there's so many websites that I go to where I think, okay, I I'm, go there regularly and I know where I'm trying to get to. And I sort of memorize, okay, 17 arrow downs yes. gets me to the element I, that I want. Yep. You know, maybe because it's not, there's not a nearby heading or it's not labeled as a button. So, you know, it's 17 arrows a day. And being able to set a web spot, is it, could you set it anywhere? Could you set it on a piece of text, for example? I don't see why not. I mean, if you can access it, I don't mm. think it has to be a button. I haven't tried it on text, but I, I don't imagine why not. In fact, let me just try it. I'll do it as I'm talking to you. To oh. tell, tell the listener a lovely story while I do this. I will tell you a lovely, lovely story. Yes, if any of you out there who use NVDA know of a similar functionality, because I would love to try this out, is it already there in NVDA? Because, you know, I'm not a power user, I admit it. I am very much the tab and up and down, left and right <laughs> cursor keys. Um, but like I said, I did see the add-on called uh, Place Markers, I believe. But the description was all in Spanish. So uh, I haven't gone back to that. But if this can replicate web spots or hotspots, I am so interested in this. 
I'm sure this function is already available in Jules, as Stephen said earlier, but I don't use Jules. So, um, yes, you NVDAers. That was difficult to that say. That was not there. easy for you, was it? Let me know. NVDAers. NVDAers. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, it works. <sighs> yes, it does work on static text as well. Right, so you could set that anywhere. Uh, that, yeah. that, is, that is so cool. I w- I'm, I'm going to say it, Stephen. I'm jealous. Well, there, there must be equivalents on other screen readers. I, I don't doubt there are. I mean, I can't imagine voiceover is unique in this one. Uh, but it just mm. it seems like a feature I've just never really gone into. What I will be interested in is over the next couple of weeks, trying this on different websites and how it behaves with different sites. Because by all accounts, it will work on each individual site. And that's even better than hotspots because you've got nine hotspots that you can set, but that's it. So you're always oh, thinking, mm, yeah. how many you know can I use? Because that's and that's across the entire system. Whereas with the web spots, that's per website. So in theory, you can have as many as you want. Because uh, every website you go to, you're just using the same commands to navigate, and it's like it's inside its own world. You've got those hotspots. It's actually pretty cool. So I don't know if people use that feature, but if you don't, it's well worth checking out. Now, in terms of setting them, as I say, it's VO command uh, left curly bracket. To set, I think I've got this the right way around. I must admit, I didn't get, once I started trying some of the commands, I was finding difficulty with it, which is why I went into the key, the keyboard commander option and just chose a numpad. And you can do this, of course, on the keyboard as well. You can set a specific command that you would like to use. Uh, and, and I found that just a little bit easier. Sometimes it's just too much to remember and uh, the numpad can help with that. So yeah, anyway, I just thought I'd mention it because I thought it was pretty cool. So that was my weekend. Very, <laughs> our lucky partners, aren't they? I mean, you know. Just, oh, look at this! Really interesting. I am not interested. Couldn't kill us. Uh, right, let's but get some cool. emails. Uh, no surprise. More comment on the subject of Braille. Uh, Greg weighs it. I, I've been waiting for Greg in Pennsylvania to chime in on this. Of course. So I'll be intrigued to hear what he has to say. Let's listen to this now. Read by Laura. One point I have not heard in regards to Stephen's idea of eliminating the Braille Perkins style keyboard is why do we still use the QWERTY keyboard? The QWERTY keyboard was invented in the 1870s to slow typists down and keep frequently used letters far apart to prevent typewriters from jamming. Aside from their inherent inefficiency, they have been shown to cause some serious repetitive stress injuries. Many improved keyboard layouts have been introduced but all have failed due to the power of legacy. The Perkins keyboard is efficient and ergonomic, unlike QWERTY, and blind people have been using them for a long time. IMS makes a braille display with Perkins keyboard and common computer keys such as the function row and other PC keyboard keys for those who type in braille but do not use braille computer commands. Why not replace QWERTY with steno keyboards or else make Perkins keyboards standard for sighted people? Type faster, fewer injuries and lower the cost of electronic braille. Greg in Pennsylvania. That's an interesting point. I can't QWERTY is just as legacy as anything else. He's got a point. It's been around for years and years. But you'd be asking a huge number of people to make a massive change to their world oh. in argument to to make our lives easier. <gasps> I mean, is that is that right? That we we just swap the whole world around? We just say right, everyone yes. who's using QWERTY, ditch that, use this instead, and uh, we'll Wait. you know we'll all just use Perkins keyboards instead. Well, as as Greg pointed out, you are trying to eliminate Perkins, so aren't you saying I'm the same thing? I'm not eliminating Perkins. Yeah, no, 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 you are. That's I'm, exactly the, I'm asking a question. Oh, this is the, this to get is less the, chilled. This is the problem with this polar, polar, I can't say it, polar bear <laughs> world we live in, where everyone is against each other, and you think, hang on a minute, I'm just asking a question, all right? Is this something we should look at? Because I'm talking about the future of Braille. I'm not talking about today. I'm talking about the future. If you want this to survive, everyone raves about how wonderful Braille is, and I get it. And the event, it's fun, so funny, the people who don't want to talk about this. I find it fascinating, people who would rather I didn't discuss this. And I'm like, you've got to discuss this if you want it to continue. You love Braille. You tell me you love Braille. You use it every day. You wouldn't be without it. You want it plastered on absolutely everything. I get it. Totally. I'm with you on it. But you've got to have a serious discussion about the future of it because the current model is not sustainable. How do we know? Because it's not sustainable. Look at the cost of Braille displays. Look at the number of people who are learning Braille. It's drastically low. It's too low. How many people in later life who lose their sight learn Braille? Not enough. Why? Because it's complicated to learn and there aren't enough teachers around and no one's around to educate and people think it's useless because we can just use audio instead. 
we've got to solve all these problems first. We've got to deal with these issues. So. Oh, okay. And I don't think getting rid of QWERTY keys is going to solve anything. So we could create a whole new problem. <laughs> so I don't, I'm not, I'm well, not no, for yeah, that. I think the... <laughs> I think uh, Greg's point there is valid. There have been better designs. I've seen many um, one-handed keyboards, for example, that use almost a... um, Again, it's the learning curve, though, right? Everyone is so used to the QWERTY layout. That's the thing. It's so familiar to people. Yeah. But then, yeah, I don't know. And look, that's a question. another point. That is a question for the future as well. You know, QWERTY keyboards, will they be ruled out in the future? I mean, actually, that's my bigger fear. My bigger fear is that long term, the physical keyboard is, is sort of done away with because they move towards these touch virtual, you know, I mean, look at this the Apple Vision Pro where you're using a virtual keyboard on screen. That doesn't appeal to me at all. To be fair, that doesn't appeal to anyone. No. Um, <laughs> that's, no. that's well, a not whole today different. anyway. No, yes. not today. But then we might have said that about touchscreen keyboards. Well, I remember when touchscreens themselves came in on the phones, and I thought we were out of the game. That's right. I mean, you know, so, yeah. Mm. Okay, interesting point, Greg. Thank you for that. I always like when you chime in on these things. Uh, Okay, let's go to Pete, who uh, has a comment. Hi, all. Don't want to single anyone out here and make Stephen upset, or he might go off buying more $200 visual gadgets. I mean, a toaster where you can do a quick, inaccessible visual look to see if it's done. Of course, a cheap $10 toaster doesn't have the accessible option to pop, touch, test and re-toast longer if needed. Rubbish. I was wondering if the Double Tap team knows if there has been a change to Soundscape's funeral dates, as I've heard rumours it's been extended from June to August. We're not sure how accurate this is. This might be them giving OpenScape, I believe in Scottish this translates to open space, some time to get its code finalised. But if Microsoft could be nice like that, they could even have maybe not killed it in the first place. Lol. Just wondered if more was known on if this is right. Would be great, so there is time to allow everybody to export markers from Soundscape to OpenScape. By the way, the name having open in it kind of leads to suggest it might stay free. If this is the case that someone is able to take it on and it remain free, it really would make people wonder why Microsoft couldn't have continued with it, or at least offer up all, and not just redacted, the code as open source, but host the back end on its Azure servers to help. Hopefully they are at least working with or supporting the OpenScape dev team. Michael Babcock's demo of OpenScape was great. A bit random, but whenever I hear Michael, I find there is something strange about the way he says the word button. <laughs> Anyone else? <laughs> or perhaps it's just I'm used to hearing various Brit accents murdering the word and pronouncing it like it ends with an un and not an on. Mm-hmm. One last thought. Sean was talking about neighbours seeing him going off to his shed in an Echo Show podcast recently and how they must wonder what he's doing. <laughs> Could this shed really be a disguised TARDIS? Or perhaps like the shed Grandpa transports in in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? Or is it really just a plain garden shed which serves as a receptacle for Stephen's unused impulse buys? Hmm. Cheers, Pete. P.S. Thanks to the amazing Laura for reading emails so eloquently. Oh, yes. Oh, well, what can you do? We, we, need, we need eloquence. And I don't mean the voice. I mean, you know, eloquence on the show. And Laura brings Laura brings class to our show. She does. Yes. She's so out of place here. It's beautiful. <laughs> she does an amazing job. Uh, button. Yeah, I agree, Pete. Pronunciation's the key. Um, Pronunciation. Thanks, that was uh, that was amazing. And yes, it really is a garden shed. It 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 just is. It's as terrible as it sounds. I want to start a campaign to. Mm. I don't know. I, I want to start something which basically, you know, like some kind of misinformation campaign about your shed. I want to go oh, online nice. and be like, you know, it's actually, it's a lie. He's inside a gigantic building somewhere. You know, he's inside a, you know. A, a, <laughs> Production a, studio. He's inside London <laughs> uh, in a green screen studio. <laughs> it's funny because Mr. F did pay me a visit. He did. And God bless you, Mr. F. And uh, he went out to the back and I said, oh, yeah. He said, can I go and look at the show? Said, of course you can. That's a tenner. No, I didn't, didn't charge him. I said, yes, of course you can. So he goes out. I said, did you find it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was stood outside my garage. I said, no, no, that's not it. It's, it's actually a real garden <laughs> shed. It's, it's hidden away. It's tiny. It's a rickety old garden shed. So, yeah, it's tiny. Yeah. 
But it serves a purpose. It's I love it. It keeps exactly. me out of the house and keeps people away from me. I, I glorious. That sounds absolutely fantastic. <laughs> um, okay, well, uh, yes, thank you for that, Pete. It's an interesting question about the open side of it, right? But we don't know much more detail yet other than the fact that OpenScape, OpenScape, is that what it's called? Yeah, well done. Yeah, Sorry. Oh, did yeah. I get it right? Oh, you did. I'm a Gold genius. Star. Thank you. Uh, so Open Space um, is, uh, you know, hopefully going to be free, but I, I have a hunch it won't be. I just, I don't, I, I don't have any information. I don't have nothing I can we share on no this. no idea. But as, I, as I can't it. imagine uh, developers are not going to, you know, these guys who are doing this probably for, for free at the moment to get this up and running are going to want to be able to claw back some money for it, and quite right so. But good I think, luck you know, to them, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, whether it's a one-off fee or whether it's a, a subscription, I know a lot of people don't want subscriptions, and I get that totally. Um, but, you know, a developer's got to eat. So. Exactly. I've been using OpenScape Beta with Soundscape at the same time. You can have them both running and identical. I yeah. mean, it is spot on accurate. Well, it's the same code, right? I mean, that's the point. Well, of course, as you'd expect it to be. Uh, the latest version of OpenScape is using Apple Maps uh, for its map data. Still absolutely perfect. Uh, I'm loving OpenScape. Excellent job they're doing. Also, yes, it is true. Microsoft have extended the um, final day of Soundscape. I got a notification from my Soundscape app itself saying it will, um, it's now the end of August. It was going to be the end of June this month. But now, end of August is the time when Soundscape itself will officially stop working, unless they extend it again. That's a bit and, odd, though, isn't it? I, I thought exactly the same as Pete. I thought, are they giving Openscape more time till they get it out officially? Is, are they actually aware of it and, you know, and pushing? Well, I can tell you the answer to that one. Oh. Because I, I did immediately contact the developer and asked that question, you know, is this actually have an impact on, is this because of what you're doing? And they said, no, we've got nothing to do with what they're doing. We've no, we know it was much of a surprise to us as it was to everyone else. They don't seem to have any involvement in, in this new project at all. I'll be honest with you, I'm slightly disappointed by that. I was hoping Microsoft would reach out and say, do you need any help? Is everything, you know? Well, I'm sure they questions? would help if there was questions. I don't imagine they would say, know, sorry, we're done yeah. with it. It's not, it's not like, you yeah, know, you've exactly fridge what they've done. off Craigslist. Yeah, we're done with it. And it's we're like, oh, the fridge, the fridge isn't working anymore. And the guy goes, well, it's your problem. You bought it. It's exactly well, like that. It's exa it is exactly like that. It's exactly what Microsoft are doing. Microsoft have chosen to kill off Soundscape anyway. There's this team that's you take running with the open source code. Thank you, Microsoft, for making the, the code open source. I will give you that absolutely. But Told you. We'll a, thank them in the future. There's Said a team. This. There's a team of developers running with it. I just thought it would be nice if Microsoft did reach out and you know offer a, a helping hand, maybe. No. Yeah. No, okay. It's, 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 it's really interesting, isn't it? Because I think we we all kind of felt with this particular app. You know, Microsoft had it. We felt it, there was some security around it because Microsoft aren't. They're not the kind of company that just come along, create something, and then ditch it. I mean, God, we know that with Windows. Jeez, I mean, could you let go of some of those legacy features? I mean, really? There's probably right. things in there for Windows 3.1 still active in Windows right, 11. Come, come on! Not like Mac OS, obviously, go. which is totally rebuilt from scratch, obviously. It hasn't got legacy kernel issues in there. No, it's great. No, but but the point is that Microsoft no, no, are no, hoarders. No. That's what I'm going to call them, hoarders. <laughs> they love to keep everything. So just, just yeah, what's that, a setting from Windows 3.1? Keep it in. Someone might need it. Okay, okay, yes. The, the so they don't get rid of things, that's the point. So, you know, we were kind well, of... Well, they did. No, but that's the point that before that, we were like, oh, this is good. You know, we've got this fantastic app, they're going to develop it, seeing AI, for example, similar. And then that kind of shook the foundations for us a bit when they just said, okay, we're moving this project on to open source. And we're thinking, hang on a minute, and, and you're keeping Soundscape? Because I think that was the first question I had, was what happens to seeing AI? But it seems to be okay so far. In fact, it seems to be more investment going into that and they've done partnerships with companies to develop that couldn't they have done that with soundscape i don't know yes i um, hope so but no obviously uh, not. maybe it comes down to just a simple thing that maybe the accessibility team aren't you know as big as some of the other teams and there's only so many things they can work on who knows but i, 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 I just find it i just find it a bit odd that they've decided to extend it i don't quite know why yeah exactly because what's the point right it's, it's it's being moved on so why would you extend it Unless it's just so that people... Uh, maybe maybe they're looking at this project. Maybe there's more going on behind the scenes we don't know. Maybe they're looking maybe at this they new project yeah. and saying, okay, well, let's maybe leave less of a gap between there being nothing and something. 
maybe it's a combination of both. You know, the the backlash from the community, that petition that was going out there, and the the recent release in beta form of OpenScape. Maybe all those things combined made made them reconsider just extending it a bit more. Yeah, I don't know. It's probably <sighs> weird. Uh, listen, more emails to come. Also, we're going to hear about Audible. Some cool new features coming to Audible, particularly in Canada. We're going to hear all about that and uh, these features also rolling out worldwide as well. Mark Aflalo is here as he talks to uh, one of the uh, team at Audible in Canada to tell us all that on the way. Keep your feedback coming, though. Keep your conversation coming. Feedback at doubletaponair.com. one 4567 is our number. Connect with the Double Tappers on social media now, on Twitter and Facebook at Double Tap On Air, and on Mastodon at Double Tap. Okay, let's get back to our emails, and I've got one here from Shazad, who wants to apologise to me. This is an email to apologise to Stephen Scott. If I said anything to make you upset, then I am sorry for upsetting you, as it is very hard indeed for a blind man to know where the line is when it comes to bantering with friends, as I feel that you, Stephen, and Sean are considered to be friends, even though I haven't come face to face with either of you. But I always feel that both of you are nearby when listening to Double Tap. So anything I said in an email, then I'm extremely sorry. However, I would like to inform you that I am not moonlighting with Sean Priest, as I feel that listening to him on Double Tap regularly is very soothing to the ears, as it is also soothing to hear your voice, Stephen, when both of you are ribbing each other with your teasing. I enjoyed yesterday's episode when you had Michael Bangkok onto your show. And you have started an interesting debate regarding whether using QWERTY keyboard with Braille display can be a modular device instead of having two separate keyboards or displays. I always find your show both enlightening and informative at the same time, so keep up the excellent work that both of you do. From a repentant and eating humble pie, Shazad Birmingham. Oh, there's no need for that. Absolutely no need. Never apologise well, to Stephen Scott. Yeah, well, hang on. Uh, yeah. uh, no, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. Should I have all friends here? And you know the thing about friends? Well, you know, they fall out and then they fall back in. Uh, you know, and friends are honest with each other. Oh, and you're on. honest with me and Sorry. I'm honest with you. Shut up. I'm talking to Shazad. <laughs> Is this some sort of public uh, service announcement? Yes. What's going on? Yeah, friends okay. are friends. And that's what, we're all we, friends here. We took we, it in the spirit, Shazad. That's the thing. It's, it's just a little bit of friendly ribbing. I just want more I like that. spirit. Uh, um, okay. Yeah, that was a lovely email. Thank you for that, Shazad. Really appreciate that. And, but no uh, need. Thank you, Shazad. And there's no need at all. No, listen, we're all having fun here. That's what it's all about. And honestly, I am the probably the... You could... It would take a lot to offend me. I've realised this in life, and trust me, people have tried. Um, I'm not easily offended, I'll tell you that. Okay, so let's move on, because I want to talk about Audible. Now, we're all fans of uh, Audible here. Uh, I certainly enjoy a number of their podcasts, and now they're multicast radio dramas that they do as well. But, of course, they're most known for audiobooks. But what if you could make that experience better? and more immersive. Well, that is something that Audible is keen to do. And uh, they're working on new projects using Dolby Atmos and spatial audio. Now, Double Tap TV's Marco Flau sat down with the country manager for Canada uh, for Audible. She is the VP, uh, Georgia Knox. And she spoke to Mark all about uh, the work they're doing to enhance the audio experience and the audio listening experience for their multicast dramas. But started off by talking about the work they're doing to make sure more authors in Canada are being recognised through the Audible service. We had a, you know, a significant number of Canadian customers on the kind of audible.com primary primary site and a real motiv- motivator for us was to um, service those customers even more so with Canadian stories created by Canadians for Canadians, but then also being able to share those with our millions of customers around the world. So we paid great attention to kind of the great opportunities for storytelling across, to your point, English and friends across the country, not only developing that, but also how we put that together, package it, and then kind of share it with our customers. I find this whole this whole segment of the market super intriguing because, you know, if an author is putting out their, their works um, to to go down the path of creating an audio version of it, it's it's not a small commitment, right? It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of energy. It takes money. And I know that you guys having obviously the backing of Amazon, um, there's a whole portion of the company that focuses on creating audiobooks in the first place. 
Do you find that authors welcome this and embrace it or they look at it as a as a, I mean, as some people don't even do it, but is it something that's difficult for someone to embark on or is it something that you think they embrace? I would say embrace. Um, it, it, it's a totally new and enhanced way to experience storytelling. And that's really our, our MO. Um, it's another way to get those great stories out um, and totally complementary to the, to the reading experience. So, so you have options, right? You can read, yeah. you can listen, you can do both. Um, and something like Dolby shows us as well. It's not just listening to that um, straight narration. So probably that traditional concept of a person gets behind a microphone and straight reads out that book. Yeah. But now we have multicast productions. We have sound effects. Uh, we have live audio. We have so so many things that really enhance that experience and are tools for our creators to use to get those great stories um, out to their audiences. Talk to me about other than obviously the addition of the sound effects and the and the sound design that goes into something, which I'm of course very familiar with, having a background in broadcasting. What does Dolby Atmos bring other than enhancing that experience? Is it really just about immersing people into the public work and into the into the works more than they were before? Yeah, absolutely. So like. Dolby Atmos, it really is like an immersive cinematic kind of listening experiences in spatial sound. And you might say to me, so like, what's spatial sound? Uh, and that's really kind of this like multi-dimensional concept. So there's layers of audio that are kind of put, it, put, put over each other. There's a dimensionality to the experience and it really enables listeners to go on a, a deeper journey. So I kind of like to say, think of it as 3D audio. You you feel yeah. like you're part of the story. You're it's There's stuff happening in front of you, to your left, to your right, behind you, and it really um, engrosses, engrosses that listener. Um, so, you know, say, for example, I, I spoke about our original content. Um, one of the pieces of content we have available in Dolby Atmos is uh, one of our Sleep Sound productions with Noah Reid, uh, one of our, you know, favourite uh, Canadian performers. And it's really like a soundscape piece of content where you hear his voice, but all of that additional kind of sound effects that are kind of lulling you into that kind of comfort and that sense of sleep are really all going around you for that kind of like warmth, you know, going to bed feel. You nailed it there. And, and one of the interesting byproducts of all this is that it's suddenly making the art form of a book more accessible to an audience that also may not be able to read um, people with disabilities. It's, it's your, your, it's the byproducts of suddenly someone who can't read anymore or wasn't able to read, or maybe can't read anymore can now feel and experience a book almost exactly like you said, like a cinematic experience. Um, th this launch, um, there, there were 40 titles chosen. How do you even go about selecting titles for something like this? That can't be an easy process. Yeah, and it's just a starting point as well. So totally, we absolutely. Adding, this is just adding, yeah, adding to that catalog. But I think the the first forty, the first forty plus was a range of formats of, of the Audible original content that we produced that we really felt was conducive to this experience. So things like kids content, uh, multicast performances, uh, soundscapes, like I spoke to with like, like regards to sleep sounds, sci-fi, live performance. So um, you know, a couple of other examples are the Sandman which is one of our big global franchises, kind of Act 3 we've now made available in Dolby. So you get that real benefit of the sound effects and, and all of the different characters and that conversation going around. Um, so that was that was kind of the, the starting point. And as we're looking at the content we're producing globally, as well as across Canada going forwards, we're looking for, for content kind of in those areas that we can continue to enhance with Dolby. Is it only is it only um, content that you guys have hands on that are creating in Dolby or can third parties now submit content that's ready in Dolby Atmos? At this stage, we're working with our Audible Originals. So that's okay. the content that we're working together with creators um, to produce. So it's through those, our Audible Original programming that we're making Dolby available at this stage. What's that experience been like in creating that content? Have you found creators embracing it? Have they minds been blown? I mean, some people, I think, even though we can sit here and describe it all we want, you have to experience Atmos technology to really understand what you're bringing to the table here. What was that experience like working with the content creators? It's still pretty early days, but I would say excitement at um, this new enhanced kind of suite of tools available in terms of um Audio is such, it's such a dynamic and evolving space uh, and it has been that way. I mean, we've been at the front of it for 20 years, the last five, 10 years, we've really seen this uptake and I feel like we're still at the forefront of really new and exciting things for our creators to work with um, and this is one of those. Uh, so I think it starts to open up a whole new world in terms of how these stories can be shared. So it's not just the what anymore. I think it used to be like 
what can come out in audio. Um, it, now it's the how. How can I share that? How can I share that in a new, innovative, interesting way? Um, and Dolby's at the forefront of that. And I think that it also helps that the technology is now there where you can experience Dolby Atmos in just your headphones, right? These things are things that have enabled this at this point in time to be experienced by anybody who really has a set of headphones that are that that have that 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 technology at hand, which is incredible timing for it. Um, you, you guys as a company, um, Audible work on on so many incredible things, whether it's on the Canadian forefront. There's a a, a whole uh side of you guys called the uh, the indigenous writers circle and i wanted to bring it up because i wanted to understand more about what this initiative is about and who it's targeted at oh yes um no the indigenous writers circle is is uh an initiative very close to my heart um and i think audible as a company really um stands to the fact that a company can mean more than what it does um and the indigenous writers circle is our kind of like canadian kind of foundations of that so we really wanted to look for a way that we could leverage our networks, our expertise, our resources in content creation and in storytelling to um, uplift the voices of communities around Canada and particularly those in First Nations, Inuit and Métis communities. Um, so the Indigenous Writer Circle is a six-month uh, mentorship and workshop program where this year, it's our third year, we're pairing uh, eight mentors with 24 participants um, over kind of 12 workshops and multiple mentoring opportunities and a variety of other um, opportunities to get together uh, as a community to uh, develop and share and create storytelling. And I think what the most uh, key thing about this is it can be in any format. So obviously at the core of what we do is audio, but we just want to get great stories out there and uplift our communities along the way. And that's what the Indigenous Writers Circle is all about. That's amazing. It's an amazing initiative and and tying all the resources that you have at your disposal, including, for example, Dolby Atmos. I mean, it really does give exposure to uh, it's just an amazing initiative across the board. So so where do you where do you go from here? Like this is it's such an interesting it, audible, is such an interesting world because, you know, everybody talks about video, video, video. But really at the at the heart of every piece of storytelling is audio. You know, they all, in my business, in the radio business, in the broadcast world, we always said, your video could be crap, but but as, as long as your audio is good, it almost makes up for it. You're in an audio-only space in a world where audio-only spaces are few and far between, but it makes total sense to be there. So where do you go from here? Where do you see the company in five years from now? Obviously, the Dolby Atmos catalog will grow, et cetera, et cetera. But how do you maintain that imprint, that local feel when you're in a country like Canada? How do you do that? How do you maintain that? Yeah, I think... A quarter of all of this is not leading side of that kind of like key driver for our launch, right? Telling great Canadian stories across Canada and to our broader listeners, millions across the world. So that has to be at the heart of what we do and where we see things going in Canada. Um, to that end, I think, you know, the, the continued creation of our Audible original content in French and English and serving those customers in a way that is um, we take their feedback on board, right? We're in a very privileged position to be able to be distributing great content, but then also like using those insights to be able to make sure we're creating the best content that our customers want. That is at the core of everything that we do. And I think that's our motivator going forward. And you're exactly right, whether it's like technological evolution that then like, you know, is overlaid with that, whether it's uh, programs and initiatives like the Indigenous Writers Circle being complementary to that, um, all of that continuing to drive towards creating great content that our customers want is is is, is the kind of core to our future. Um, of course, we're always looking for a broader, um, you know, keeping tr up trends with what's going on with the broader content, you know, uh, environment overall, be that video, uh, you know, be that live performance, be that music. Um, we're, we're continuing to keep our finger on, on the pulse with all of those latest trends to make sure that kind of audio is kind of at the forefront of our, our customers' minds. Um, our biggest competitor, we think, is time. Uh, and so, you know, how do we continue to be the champion of the audio space, which we've been doing for 20 years and we we hope to, we you know, will be doing for 20 plus years more? Well, I think you will be. And I, and I applaud all, everything you guys are doing because it's an, it's an amazing space um, for, for all the reasons we discussed, whether it's inclusivity, whether it's accessibility or whether it's just making sure that people can consume content in a way that just meets their efforts. I mean, I, I listen to audiobooks all the time just because I don't have I, I don't have the patience to read. And I you know that's just one use case. There are people that, as you said, it just enhances the experience. Uh, my daughter loves listening to audiobooks, and she's in the 11 year old range. She's really getting into it. And uh, 
where she's constantly discovering new things through that that she wasn't able to discover by just going to none of the bookstore around the corner anymore. It's a very different in landscape we live around there. And it's so cool to see how it really does transcend this entire you know, everybody. Absolutely. Everybody, regardless of age, ability, disability, it's, it's amazing to see. No, it, it really is. And I think where um, what was once conceived of as this very kind of like intimate, individualized audio listening experience has real kind, really kind of opened up to be um, such a celebrated uh, and like widely enjoyed medium. And it's like it's so exciting to be a part of that. Yeah, it's great. Um, Georgia, thank you so much for taking the time to join us and talk about it. Uh, come back on. Tell us more. Uh, let us know what you're doing in a couple months from now. We're always happy to have you on the show. Would love that. Thank you so much, Mark. Georgia Knox from Audible in Canada talking to Mark Aflalo there. Don't forget, Mark has his own podcast called Your Tech Report, which you can go and subscribe to. It's also on YouTube as well. But you can catch Mark with me on Double Tap TV, Tuesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern, on AMI-tv. Now, I want to move on to NFC tags because this is something, Sean, that I know you're uh, excited about. I know that you uh, were hoping to spend the weekend playing around with, but uh, Greg is here to help you along. Oh! Hello, Stephen. Hello, Sean. This is Greg from Phoenix, and you were talking about NFCs and apps that are accessible. just wanted to uh, steer you in the direction of Simply NFC uh, is a great accessible app that you can record an NFC tag and then scan it, and it works just great. So try that out. Uh, I'm going on vacation, or as you would call it, going on holiday for yes about 10 days. Uh, so if when I get back you uh, haven't done it, or done a demo, perhaps I'll throw a demo together for you all. Yay! And I'll show you how to do that. But I'm leaving in the morning, so it's not happening tonight. Either way, Greg, have a great couple of weeks and look forward to catching up on your episodes when I get back. Bye now. Oh, well, have a fantastic time. You yeah. can listen while you're on holiday. The correct way to say it, holiday. Yeah, of course is, you can. That is, abs- that is the correct way to say it. You don't say vacation. <laughs> vacation, what's that? We're not in the movies. That's not no. National Lampoon. Greg, 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 you're not going to believe this. That is the first app I tried, and it's totally accessible. Oh, um, brilliant. Absolutely. Simply NFC. That is the one I've been going through. I went through that last night, actually. Now, the only thing I'm not sure about, because the first thing I wanted to make sure, is it accessible? And it seems to be, I haven't been in every single uh, area of it, but it seems to be in the read and write sections. The only thing I'm unsure about is if you need to open the app in order to read a tag. You know, can you just... uh, I don't want to have to open my phone, open the app, go to read tag, Mm. and then tap on it. All I want to do is, obviously, I probably have to unlock the phone, obviously. I just tap my phone on the tag and... It automatically does it. I don't know if it does it. It may well do, but I'm unsure. That's the only thing. So, um, but yeah, thanks for the recommendation. And um, weirdly enough, that's the one I found. So I'm going to play with that a bit more. Thank you. Thank you, Greg. Have a great holiday. Holiday. And uh, finally, (laughs) our word from Darren. Hello, this is Darren from Bexley. A couple of things. Firstly, um, when I mentioned about the Perkins bread and needing a refresh, I had to laugh because when you were talking about people in colleges used to swing them around like anything, yes, I can relate yes. to that. You could have a group uh, called, uh, say, Darren and the Perkins Swingers or something like that. <laughs> My second point is regarding AI and disabled people. I'm going to put out a topic which we could have a conversation about in a future week. As disabled people, I think that AI is going to make our lives a lot better than it could be for non-disabled people. So I think disabled people are going to benefit a lot more. The reason I say this is because if you're fully able-bodied, you look to the future in some ways like getting old and that could be with a bit of trepidation. But I think as disabled people, because all these things are coming down the track with AI, it could be the best thing for us. So I wonder if as disabled people, 
the future could be bright with AI, whether we're going to have, a, whether we think we might have a better future than some non-disabled people. Controversial, I know, but I think it's a conversation that could be had. Um, no malice is meant by it whatsoever. It's just an observation. This is Darren signing off for this time. Bye for now. Thank you. Bye. I think it's a fantastic conversation starter. You're right, Darren, and it's one topic I would love to get into. In fact, I'll, I'll let's just make that a point of let's discuss this because there's so much talk about AI and what it can do, and of course there's all the various aspects of that, but how could it impact us? What could it do for us? And I think that I have my own thoughts on this. I think we'll get into it tomorrow on the show. Let's yes. maybe talk about that tomorrow. Um, but I have some thoughts on the benefits it can bring. I've started seeing some of them already, just for me. And, and that's all that matters. And that's all that matters. Exactly. <laughs> Nothing else matters. <laughs> I think this brings up a really interesting question, but I will save that for tomorrow. Yeah, mm. let's discuss it. Okay. Well, uh, that's it for today. Thank you for all your feedback. Uh, keep it coming. I know we, our Laura reads uh, through these emails and she gets to them when she can. She's a very busy lady. But uh, she does get to these emails when she can, and we will get more of them on here tomorrow. So uh, do keep them coming, and uh, we'll get them on here as soon as we can. Uh, feedback at doubletaponair.com is our email address. You can also uh, get in touch with us and leave a voicemail. We'd love to hear your voice. Yes. That's our, our favourite thing. We'd love to hear you talking. So you can either attach a voice note to an email, or you can leave us a voicemail, as many of you do already. one 803 Four five six seven. Check the show notes out. If you're in the UK, there's a number you can dial there, a local rate number. If you want to uh, dial us, uh, you can find all that in our podcast show notes, plus more details of our show as well. Don't forget that you can download this show as a podcast if you're listening on AMI Audio. And if you're listening on podcast, have you ever heard of AMI Audio? Well, you should. It's brilliant. It's a fantastic <laughs> audio network of shows and uh, some great uh, things on there. So go check all that out at ami.ca. And we're back tomorrow. Sean, thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.